Welcome to Bible Study. This is Nick Krita, your host, and thank you very much for tuning in with us. It's wonderful to have you with us together for uh, opening the Word of God and uh, learn more at the feet of Jesus. And please stay tuned. We are going to approach a quite interesting subject today, and I hope that each one of us will have uh, a lot to learn and to change our lives around for the better. The panel today is again a little bit smaller, but that's not a discouragement because uh, with the help of the Holy Spirit, we are going to be looking into the subject today. And I'll just uh, welcome Helen. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Nick. It's been a delight actually studying this book of Nehemiah and Ezra. I've learned mm. so much and I hope our listeners have as well. Absolutely. And Ken, also yes. thank you for joining us. Always great to be here, and actually it's interesting what Helen says. Uh, I also have learnt heaps going through this book. You sometimes read these things, but you don't always see what's in there. Uh, and then some other times you go over it again and the penny drops. Oh, that's what... So it's a really interesting uh, journey. Yes. And Brenton is uh, our facilitator and leading through this uh, Bible study. And thank you, Brenton, for um, putting together this. And welcome to the program. Thank you, Nick. It's a pleasure to be here on what I call the Jenny Craig version of our panel. <laughs> Slim down version. <laughs> I wish that we, referred to us all physically, Brenton. <laughs> we are really looking forward to sharing with our listeners uh, today's topic, which is entitled Backslidden People. But before we do that... We're going to ask Helen to lead us in prayer. Thank you. Loving Heavenly Father, we're just so grateful that we have this opportunity to study your word and in, to interpret it through the power of the Holy Spirit. I thank you, Lord, for the lessons that we can learn, the lessons on how people start to backslide away from God, away from you, and how we can, in our own lives, stop this from happening. I thank you, Lord, that we can study these books and, and learn more. And as a panel, we can share with the listeners as well. And, um, Father, I just pray that hearts will be open in a mighty way. Lessons will be learnt today that will draw us all closer to you as well as each other. Father, I pray that when we come across some passages in the Bible which we may find a little hard, that you will enlighten us. But give us courage, Lord, to stand up as Nehemiah did and Ezra. Courage to stand up, Lord, for what you convict in our hearts. I pray in your name. Amen. Amen. Our topic this, uh, today is a very, very interesting one. It's taken primarily from Nehemiah chapter 13. So for those of our listeners who have their Bibles and they want to follow along, we will be reflecting on Nehemiah 13 quite significantly. The topic, as I've mentioned earlier on, is backslidden people. Now, there are three issues and I'm going to throw this open to the panel, there are three issues that the people seem primarily to have backslidden on. But before we throw it open to the panel, let's give a little background. The background is that Nehemiah has gone back to Persia. He's gone back to the king's service for a period of time. We're not told how long, however he has been away for a while. And when he comes back, he finds all the excesses and all the abuses that he thought he had sorted out before he went back in full swing, even to the extent that one of his most renowned enemies is actually living within the temple precincts. So I guess the question is, for the panel, what are the three issues 
that the people of Israel had backslidden over. Ken? I'm jumping in really early here, Brendan. Sorry, I'm not going to answer necessarily what you were just about to say, but I'm wondering, would it be an idea just maybe to elaborate exactly what backsliding actually means? Okay, well, would you like to enlighten us? Well, in, in my terms, basically what we're looking at is people who, shall we say, have originally come to the Lord and they're following the commandments of the Lord, following the ways of the Lord, and then through time they start to begin to do less and less uh, for the Lord, or uh, the worldly mm-hmm. things yes. are then starting to Crowded. take up more of their time and attention, mm-hmm. and then God is gradually sliding out of the picture, and of course once he's out of the picture then uh, people totally forget him, but they all... One of the real dangers of this, of course, is when you're with the Lord, there's many, many blessings that you receive, many unknowing to you. Mm -hmm. But when you start to slide away, well, the Lord, although he still loves you, you're not going to be blessed the same as if you're still with him. Thank you, Ken. That's a very insightful comment, I believe. What were the issues, Helen, that uh, they had backslidden over? Now that Ken has explained what backsliding actually is, and thank you, Ken, for that explanation. I believe one one of the key issues was that they had idolaters in their miss people that were not worshipping God. Yeah, we'll read about it and in they, just a they second. were influencing yes. them. Uh, another problem was, and with the idolatry too, of course, came in the fact that they, they were desecrating the temple really and uh, that's where Tobiah was, came in. He was an mm. enemy but he mm. was actually in the temple at the time. Yes. God said no to that and we'll discuss that a little later. And the third one was, was when they talked about what God had put in place, tithes and offerings mm-hmm. and keeping the Sabbath day. That was really four, yeah. I believe but okay. you know the tithes and the offerings was something I'm and hopefully the four, yeah <laughs> hopefully we can you know have a quick look at that because okay. god has instigated yeah, that for a reason we and will. they they weren't following that and so the mm. priest had to go elsewhere yeah, yeah. Nick. and also probably uh, we may ask ourselves uh, what has to do this with ourselves you know and with the uh, christendom in uh, our days because uh, every lesson we learn from uh, Bible study like this is to apply, yes. to learn from it, and to... Does it have mm, a personal application? Absolutely. Yeah. And not to repeat mm. some of the mistakes yeah. uh, which exactly. God's people did in, uh, in, um, in their walk mm. with, with God. Mm. And um, if we'll just uh, mention, just very briefly, and we may come with some more comments on this, Christendom today, we have all sorts of uh, doctrines and all sorts of things, and people are just, you know, happy with what they at some point in life learned or uh, they came closer to God in a certain way, and that's it, and leave it there. And that can plafonate, you know, your experience with God. And um, we heard about that saying that if you don't grow uh, with God, then you uh, go backwards. Mm. It's not a, such a thing that say, okay, we reach the point now and the, the mm. level which God is happy with this, and then just leave it there. Now, this is an everyday experience with God which will uh, make us grow and know God more. Do you think that this is what's happening here, Nick, that they're backsliding in the sense as um, both yeah, yes. Helen and Ken have mentioned it? Yeah. Helen's got her hand up. Helen? Yeah, I have. <coughs> I had a question put to me today, what causes people to backslide? And, um, you know, can, can that happen to us? Well, absolutely it can. If we decide that, you know, we have 
other priorities than God and we're spending less time in his word, less time communicating with us, well, it's going to spoil a relationship for a start. It doesn't become as important and then we start to get lax on other things. The next thing you find, you're not attending church, you're not praying, you're not worshipping, and then you get involved with worldly things. And that's it's a progression. Yeah, but, but Helen, often it's imperceptible. Yeah, it but I don't think people... It doesn't sort of happen that you went to church one week and you didn't go no, next week. No, no, no. I believe a gradual, it's a process. Very, sometimes yes. almost an imperceptible slide yes. down the slippery pole yeah. towards n- maybe not unbelief, but just um, apathy. Yeah, Religious I agree with apathy. you. And I think unless you're fellowshipping with the saints, as, as yeah. the Bible says, don't mm. forget the assembling of the saints, yes. you, you will become cold like the, the log out of the fire. Mm. You, will, yeah. you will just gradually... Yeah. Ken, could sad. you read Nehemiah 13 verses 1 to 3 for us? And let's pull this apart a bit because it talks about the guy, Tobiah. We know who he is from our previous studies, don't we, listeners? And Tobiah was an Ammonite, and we're going to explore the uh, genealogy background of uh, the Ammonites in just a minute after Ken has read his text. Thanks, Great. Ken. King James Version. On that day, they read in the book of Moses in the audience of the people, and therein was found written that the Amorite and the Moabite should not come into the congregation of God forever, because they met not the children of Israel with bread and with water, but hired Balaam against them, that he should curse them. Howbeit our God turned the curse into a blessing. Now it came to pass, when they had heard the law, that they separated from Israel all the mixed multitude. Okay, thank you, Ken. There's a number of things, uh, panel, that are going on here, aren't they? First of all, who were? can someone uh, share with me who were the Ammonites and the Moabites? Where did they descend from? Let's have a look at Genesis 19, yes. verse 36 to 38. Helen, could you read that for yes, us? Yes, happy to this do that. This is Bible study, so let's, yes. let's really go back to the source and have thank a look you. at it. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. As a result, both of Lot's daughters became pregnant by their own father. And when the older daughter gave birth to a son, she named him Moab. He became the ancestor of the nation now known as the Moabites. And when the younger daughter gave birth to a son, she named him Ben-Ami. He, he became the ancestor of the nation now known as the Ammonites. And of course, who was Tobiah? He was an Ammonite. Yes. He may yes. have had Jewish ancestry in him. If you look up Bible yes. commentaries, it's possible that he had Jewish ancestry, mm. but he also had Ammonite ancestry in him as well. Mm. And what's interesting <coughs> is the names that these two girls, note, made pregnant by their father, who they got drunk. It's a very tawdry story, isn't it, Ken? <laughs> of the stories in the Old Testament. I find this one quite repulsive, actually. But... Anyway, the bottom line is they both became pregnant by their father. Moab means from my father. Mm, And Ammon means son of my people. So who was Lot? Let's let's boil it down. Who was Lot? Lot was a nephew of Abraham. Okay. So, in other words, related to Israel? Were these people related to Israel? Mm, Yes. Yes, they would have been. They would have been, what, second, third cousins, Helen? Something like Mm. that. And, of course, we find in uh, Judges chapter 11, verse 17 and 18, that they would not allow them to pass through. When Israel left Egypt and they were on their way to the Promised Land, these people would not help them in any way. 
Yes. I just like to make a note that God was not being racist no, to regarding this, and and if you if you look through the ancestry there, you'll find that these um, these children of um, that became the, the start of the Moabites and the Ammonites, they were the greatest enemies against God's people. They were. Yeah. They were. That's, yeah. that's really. But God still loved them. We need to be careful of that. You know, God still loved them, and He may set clear through His Word, mm. but He set some ground rules as well. Okay. Yes. So. We find that this guy, under the patronage of Elijah, has actually taken up residence in the temple itself. Which this, was granted by the high priest. Which was granted by the high priest. Yes. Now, Helen, you made a comment earlier on about the fact that here is the same high priest who has helped with the re-establishment of the wall. Yes, he has was Has helped with all one. the other things. What is the problem here? Well, I think the reason why this went ahead is the fact that um, this. How do you pronounce the high priest's name again, please? Eliashab. Eliashab. <laughs> just haven't got that one in my head no, yet. No, Eliashab will well, do. Well, that man Four and, and Tobiah <laughs> were actually related, and I, I've it struck me that we have to be very careful in this day and age that too often we are influenced by our family or our friends is there a family influence here absolutely absolutely and the sad part was that Elijah or whatever his name was he was was the high priest and he should have known better and Mm. he knew that they weren't allowed to be at the temple but he compromised and I think that's a very important word we have to watch in today's I think perhaps look and and this could be uh, it doesn't actually say this but I think as we go down through the ages, people are people. And when Tobiah was put into the temple, he was also put in where they're kept in all the ties and goodies yes. of the day. Yeah. Now, I have to watch what I say over here, but uh, people <laughs> goodies in, in high like places today, they, uh, <laughs> they sometimes tend to favour their friends and whatnot. And it would have been, I believe... Would you call it patronage? Oh, absolutely, yes. I believe it would have been a a huge temptation, shall we say, to be surrounded with all these goodies that were actually for the, shall we say, the wages of the Levites, and you're surrounded with all this stuff, not to use it for your own advantage. Okay, thank you. Nick? Also, there were very specific... um, you know, laws and rules in terms of the temple, yes. what to do and how mm-hmm. to be used. And mm-hmm. it doesn't matter who's, uh, even the, the priests themselves, they had to be very careful and thoroughly prepared for, uh, for the service in, in there. And uh, after a while, you know, you may lose, even, let's put it this way, in a church, I came from a background when I, um, I come into the church, you know, it was, reverence you know i mm. took my hat off sometime I, I i was not how to say i couldn't feel comfortable to walk in the church if i was with my boots from work you know to walk, mm. walk in the yes. i took my yes. boots off yes. and walk into the church yes. you know when when you go on the on the worship day there you know you are very prepared you know well dressed you know for the occasion and so on and so forth and this became a little bit of a backsliding people, you know, just a bit of routinely basis, you know, do mm. things, you know, doesn't mm. really matter. Mm. But coming back to the actual uh, uh, situation here, uh, Tobia uh, being uh, allowed to live there and uh, 
already has been raised up uh, those concerns of nepotism, you know, and favoritism and mm-hmm. all those things. And unfortunately, you see those things happening Nick, you've in got the this situation where blood is thicker than water yes. on this particular occasion. Helen, you were... Uh, uh, j- just a thought came into my mind. Mm-hmm. I don't think that um, Elijah was always like that. Because, you know, the fact that, as we said, he was the first to jump in and mm. help on the work on we the wall. We don't know what pressure was put on him No, by, I, but what uh, I'm, what I'm mm, coming to is mm. the fact that, you know, he, he jumped. He was a good leader because yeah. he was showing that he did not just talk about it. Yeah, he, he did. That was a sign of a good leader. Yes. But then uh, came in uh, this union and then yeah. came in this compromise yeah. and he became very corrupt. And that's sad, but there's a lesson for us. Absolutely. It is true. Be a good leader, um, but stick with it. Mm. I want someone to read for us Deuteronomy, please. Deuteronomy chapter 23, verses 3 to 5. This is where it talks about um, Tobiah, who was an Ammonite. And then I'm going to ask a question. For, for listeners' benefit, I'm going to say we're going to throw a cat among the pigeons. <laughs> we're among going to panel. put in an interesting <laughs> question and explore the panel's uh, views on this particular matter and how God has dealt with this issue. So thank you. Deuteronomy chapter 23, verses 3 to 5. Ken, could you read those for us, please? (coughs) Helen read the last one. An Amorite or Moabite shall not enter into the congregation of the Lord. Even to their tenth generation shall they not enter into the congregation of the Lord forever because they met you not with bread and with water in the way when you came forth out of Egypt, and because they hired against the Balaam, the son of Beor, of Pethor, of Mesopotamia, Mesopotamia, to curse thee. (laughs) Nevertheless, the Lord thy God would not hearken unto Balaam, but the Lord thy God turned the curse into a blessing unto thee, because the Lord thy God loves thee. Mm, There's a lot in those verses, isn't there? Mm. A lot. The term forever, we could probably spend the rest of the session, Nick, debating the term forever. But Mm -hmm. anyway, it's pretty clear that God made some very clear stipulations. He said these guys are not to come into the tabernacle till at least the 10th generation. Now I'm going to throw my little question in. When you look at the lineage of Christ in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 5, who do you find as one of the progenitors of Jesus Christ, the Messiah? You find someone called Ruth. Mm-hmm. Now, who is Ruth? Can someone help me? She was a Moabitess. You're right. So how do we reconcile these statements? It's an uh, interesting one, isn't it? That is an interesting one, but as we have often seen in the Bible, that God uses sometimes the most strange people to carry out his work. That's so we point, have to yeah. assume that even though she was a Moabitess, and here in uh, Deuteronomy, God is definitely saying that these people should not be in the congregation, yet God has decided to use her for his purpose. Yes. But that shows again the mercy of God, you know, uh, even though we pay for the mistakes, uh, because that's mm. an important mm. thing to learn, because some m- many people will be very easy of doing things, not realizing that consequences come along with the mistakes you do. And in uh, this case, the Moabites, you know, they were uh, kind of curse, if you like, because Balaam was blessing the Israelites, which means that the, you know, the Moabites, they were not uh, receiving the blessings. Um, but uh, they were offered opportunity, and when they mentioned yes, after the 10th generation... Mm. Nick, I haven't done a study on how many generations it is <laughs> from... Um, when God gave this command to when Ruth came along. 
I'm suspecting it may not have been ten generations, but I don't know. Yeah. To me, it shows God's wonderful love. As I think, Ken, you pointed out quite rightly, God is does not have his hands tied by who he can work with. It's with people who are pure in heart, and we know from the story of Ruth, she said, I know that your God is the God alone in heaven and in earth. Uh, I know that. The fact that she was a Moabite by birth... Um, but you follow her story all the way through, and she definitely was not following the Moabite traditions. No, not she at all. gave. I believe she gave her heart to God, mm, yes. and I believe there was a difference. And I don't think it was the tenth generation. I think it was before yeah, that. I but so. but yeah. in this context, yeah. the question is not if she was passing through the, those ten generations, because in the context she was not involved with the temple, to not to be allowed uh, to go into the temple. Ruth's story, yeah, but Ruth's yeah. story doesn't um, tied in with uh, with this particular uh, instance where uh, Tobia was uh, in the temple. You know, Ruth, yes, she was from a Moabite uh, descent, mm-hmm. but she uh, joined through her um, uh, mother-in-law yes. the people of God, yes. and God showed great support for this young lady mm-hmm. uh, because. She was saying that plainly, your God will be my God. Where you go, I will go. Your people will be my people. Mm. And with this in in mind, she, yeah, she was part of of Israel. And God said many times that those people who want to be part of Israel, they can uh, be part of Israel. There's no question, oh, these are just elitism here, only Israel. No. Sure. But there are some specific rules, and I would like to draw a, a line here and a bit of a lesson. When we go, particularly because you're talking last uh, week about worshiping God, how to yes. worship and so on, mm-hmm. you need to have some respect, first of all, you know, about God, because God says, I will be in the temple. And the way you conduct yourself when you come before God, and that was, you know, the temple was mm-hmm. one of the things when uh, God was to be met then you you have to have a uh, a proper proper attitude and in this case they disobey god's advice god's command not mm-hmm. to allow mobites strangers to come in the mm-hmm. temple of the lord mm-hmm. so nick if i can ask this question then do you believe that um, ruth would have been allowed to worship with the israelites back at the temple the tabernacle never had a temple in those days yes yes i mean i, I wouldn't uh, i wouldn't say that she was not allowed but in you know when you go in the temple when you look uh, into israel even coming out of mm. egypt they were given a the tabernacle you know and the temple later on with specific clear distinctions in between mm. what that means to come into the temple now, I don't have anywhere in the Bible, and I cannot uh, uh, just presume that, that uh, Ruth went into the temple or didn't. Mm. You know, I don't have any information no, from ju- the Bible. Uh, yeah, you're right. I was just asking, do you believe that it's possible that she could have been? Because if you look at the story here, Helen, I'll come to you That's in just okay. a second. If you look at the story, I'm glad we touched on this point, because Tobiah is being evicted from the temple based on Deuteronomy 23, verses 3 and 4. That's what he's being evicted for. Mm. Now, this is more than 10 generations. It's a long time more Mm -hmm. than 10 generations. He's being kicked out. Um, What can we learn from this? I don't know. I think if you... There's there's not enough background to really 
go too much further, but I would suggest, given his strident opposition to Nehemiah's rebuilding, firstly, the wall and the other things that needed to be done, and, of course, we know how Tobiah was carrying on. People, uh, the, the rulers were telling um, Nehemiah that Tobiah, he's a good guy, you know, he's a really good guy. He's, what, and uh, while they're telling him, uh, Nehemiah this, trying to butter him up, we would say today, what's happening on the other side of the coin is, is Tobiah is sending threatening letters to Nehemiah all the time. He's, he's on his case, he's, he's pressuring him the whole time. So there's two different scenarios going on here. Nehemiah comes back from Persia and he says, right, this guy's here, you're out. So let's have a look and see what the Bible says. Helen, you, I think you had a yeah, comment before. Could I just make a comment, mm. please, in relating to Ruth plus Tobiah? The Lord, somewhere in Scripture, says, you know, if you come to me, I won't cast you out. Yes, now, John 6, yes, 37. thank you. And, and I believe that, and, and let me just say, I don't believe the reason God had said these words to them, uh, against them, was because they, they neglected to give them food. That, that is an issue, and we need to watch that. Yes. But I think it was more the fact that the whole, they were cursing God's chosen people. Yes. But yes. getting back to Ruth and Tobiah, you know, she came to the God, to God yeah. her attitude, her motives, you know, willingly. Yeah. And God didn't cast her out. Tobiah mm. did not come to God. He came to the temple. Mm -hmm. And Good there point. was a very big difference. Okay. Take it one step further. Yes. What is the high priest, Eliashab? Yes, that's him. <laughs> Eliashab. What is Eliashab actually saying to the people as a whole? By allowing this guy to live within the precincts of the temple, mm. not the temple itself, but the associated yes. buildings around, and as um, Ken said, where the goodies are kept. Um, as you see this, isn't he in essence saying to the people of Israel that this guy, Tobiah, has got a high place in, in the hierarchy yes. here in, yes. in the country? Yes. And Nehemiah is saying, no, this is not going to happen. So let's read about yes. it in Nehemiah 13, verse 8 and 9. Helen, I think we're over to you. Let's break it down a little bit and have a look at uh, what actually happened here and what the result was after. So Nehemiah 13, 8 and 9. Mm. Okay, New Living Translation. Uh, it says here, I became very upset and threw all of Tobiah's belongings out of the room. What do we call that, Helen? Uh, <laughs> evicting. Evicting. <laughs> he was evicting. Tossing him out. <laughs> yeah, evicting. Right. Um, I can almost see that that scene. That's why mm. it reminded me of when the Lord, you know, tossed yeah. over the tables. Then That's I demanded right. that the rooms be purified and brought back the articles for God's temple, the grain offerings and the frankincense. That is important when you think about that. Why did he have to bring them back? Where had they gone? <coughs> That's a good question. Yeah, and where the, they being used? The room was was apparently cleared out. They made mm. room for Tobiah, mm. and it was like saying Tobiah is more important than what God had instructed yes. them to come yeah. to bring. I, I believe that's a very valid point. Yes. Ken, did mm. you have a comment? Well, I, I was just thinking uh, to me, which was the obvious way, were these things not there? Well, you know yourself, when anyone moves into a new house, the first thing they do is start to make it suit themselves. Yeah. So I'm assuming Dubai, when he moved into this place, he wanted his stuff in there, and there probably wasn't room for the Lord's stuff as well, so it went out. Also, without that stuff being there, he wouldn't be reminded, this is the Lord's house. Yes, that's true. 
What does that tell you about Tobiah? Does it tell you that he had any respect whatsoever for God's temple? No. The fact that he'd moved in <coughs> suggested to me that he really didn't care less. And, and th this is uh, very important because we can be easily can be judgmental towards uh, people, in this case, Tobiah. Now, let's think this. Tobiah may not be uh, you know, um, taught in, uh, in a particular way like the Israelites in terms of... Uh, what the temple means. And he may be just, you know, coming there and not even realizing all the... It doesn't all, matter about Tobiah. It was the high priest but that that's put what him I'm, in there. But that's what I'm <laughs> trying to say, because mm. I'm not referring to Tobiah. Sometime, mm. and this is... I may be, again... You, you're making a general application. Uh, yeah, yeah but, but what yeah. I'm trying mm. to say is mm. that we can have people involved in worship in our days, people who don't have a knowledge and understanding of how God wants mm. that worship to take mm. place. Mm. And who's responsible? Us or those people who, who lead into the worship program, yes. not the people who are coming in. And both can be, can be how to say, affected mm. by uh, that negligence, if you mm. like, uh, to use uh, a term. Nick, it's a very good point. I think we need to read verse 7. So if we'll just look at verse 7, I'd like to read that. And I came to Jerusalem, this is Nehemiah <coughs> reflecting on what took place, and discovered the evil that Eliashab had done for Tobiah by preparing a room for him or in preparing a room for him in the court of the house of God. This suggests to me deliberate activity on the part of Eliashab. It also suggests to me that really Tobiah was not without fault. He must have known he's, he's been resisting the rebuilding of Jerusalem. He's been resisting the rebuilding of the walls. He must have had some knowledge of the Israelites' religion. He, yeah, he must have understood to some degree at yes. least that this was God's house, this mm. was God's temple where God lived, this is his dwelling place, and yet he's willing to shift into anti-rooms, so to speak, to suit his own convenience, all prepared for him by the high priest. It appears as though there was a relationship between Tobiah and Eliashab. Uh, unfortunately, um, it had bad effects, so we're going to have a look. We've had a look at what Nehemiah did. He evicted him, mm. basically, threw him and his shuttles out of the uh, anteroom, and then he cleansed the room, thus allowing it to um, receive the tithes and the offerings of grain and of fruit and of, of the other things that the Levites were supposed to receive. But really what you've got is a situation here where the poor old Levites are in such a state that they're not doing the work that God had given them to do, which is the worship of the temple and taking care of the temple services. We find this in verses 10 to 14. Uh, Helen, can you read verses 10 to 14 for us? Please? Of chapter 13. Of chapter 13, and then we'll break this one down as well. Thank you. Starting at verse 10, it says, I also discovered that the Levites had not been given their prescribed portions of food. So they and the singers who were to conduct the worship services had all returned to work their fields. Okay, before you go any further, what does this tell you about what the state of worship probably was at this time? If you're not paid and you're a professional musician, are you going to turn up? Mm. 
Well, you eventually have to go and find some work elsewhere, don't you? You've got to provide for your wife and family. Is that right? Yeah, I was just just about to say that obviously these people also had families and perhaps they had, I don't know if you had mortgages back in those days, but they obviously (laughs) had bills to pay. If you're not getting any money in, you can't give any money out. It would suggest to me that the uh, services of the temple and the worship had fallen to a very low ebb Mm. since the time that Nehemiah was previously here. All right, keep reading, Helen. We Thanks. could actually relate that in, mm. in terms of today as well. well okay. you can. Uh, yes. Read the text first and then maybe we'll draw some lessons Okay, from so up to verse 11. Thanks. It said, I immediately confronted the leaders and demanded, why has the temple of God been neglected? Then I called all the Levites back again and restored them to their proper duties. And once more, all the people of Judah began bringing their tithes of grain, new wine and olive oil to the temple storerooms. Okay, before you go any further, there's an Mm -hmm. important point here. Mm -hmm. What does this tell us about confidence? Confidence in the temple, confidence in its services and in those who are entrusted with God's sacred services are now being restored. People are now bringing their tithes and their offerings again. We're learning here (coughs) that um, generally people are relaying on God where, are, where they are going through crisis, difficult time. Uh, like Israelites coming from uh, Babylon or Medo-Persia, mm-hmm. and uh, they were in fire for God, you know, with experiences, how they pray and how they reestablish the temple and the worship in the temple and everything else. Uh, that was a, an experience. But after a while, everything is like, seems like to go smoothly goes more on the normal mm. level mm. and you what was the title of this bible study backslidden yeah you fall into that temptation mm. and that's probably a big lesson for us to learn particularly in a western uh, world you know and we thinking that we have everything and we call ourselves you know christians in some respects you know mm. but mm. we are not active christians on the bold to say so, you know, all the time. Mm. And uh, oh, this was one of the effects. You could see that things happened there uh, mm. Mm. in the temple. There was lack of spiritual experience, but also a lack of physical needs, yes. you know, like food and yes. Uh, yes. those Levites and uh, the priests, they were living yes. by the what was given to the temple by mm. the rest of the, the people. Yeah, that, that's true. Thank you, Nick. Helen, we need to get you to finish, don't we? Yes. I know I've interrupted you several okay. times, but I think it's important that we unpack what these yes. texts have in them. So do you want just verse 13? Yes, or? Okay. and verse 14. And 14, too, I okay. Um, I assigned supervisors for the storerooms, Shenemiah the priest, Zadok the scribe, and Pedaiah one of the Levites. And I appointed Hanan, son of Zachor, and grandson of Mataniah as their assistant. These men had an excellent reputation, and it was their job to make honest distributions to their fellow Levites. I just want to stop here and just yes, say, you may. this was Nehemiah virtually saying, I don't really trust the government or mm. what's been going on before. I will, I will handpick yes, those who yeah, are going to do and, these tasks. And sometimes that's, yes. that needs to be done. Uh, it yes, does. When, I think when there's I a lesson for that. us today, isn't the Nick yes, there? And Ken, I be- yes, I believe yeah, so. Okay. And, and just referring back again to them bringing <clears> the ties in that, when they weren't doing it, they were actually disobeying God. Correct. It was God. It wasn't just a custom. It was God. It's but, a flagrant re- breach of Malachi 3. Eight. Yes, absolutely. Will a man rob God? Yet yes. you have robbed me in yes. tithes and offerings. And so yes. in redoing that, that was setting their hearts back mm. right with God. But right. let me finish this off. Verse 14 said, Remember this good deed 
O my God, and do not forget all that I have faithfully done for the temple of my God and its services. Mm. <laughs> okay, when it says remember this good deed, O my God, I believe that he's saying the good deed of all the people. Yes. You know, they've come back to you, please remember it, you know. But he's also saying, I have faithfully done your work. I think you know, he's just, speaking just, personally Yes, as well. just remember mm. me, you know. Mm. He had that relationship yeah. with God. He was human. But he had that relationship with God. Yeah. I don't believe it was an arrogant, hey, look at me, look at me. No, no, I, no. I believe it. Was, he was humbly saying, Lord, yeah. just please don't forget, I'm following yeah. you, I'm doing what you asked, and protect me. Yeah. Mm. On, on that aspect, uh, when you are uh, committing yourself uh, to the Lord and to a ministry to do something, there is always opposition. There is always various... Uh, Challenges. Challenges, challenges on the, on the way. <laughs> yeah, uh, and in, in, <laughs> yes. in this case, in this case, Nehemiah is just talking to God and says, God, please remember about uh, me because you see, my, my passion, my heart, and through saying this, Nehemiah actually was, was just pleading with God and just said, look, Lord, just remember me, uh, help me to go through all of these things mm-hmm. because even now he's facing quite few challenges to be bold mm. and to take mm. uh, uh, to take yeah. the yeah. you know in his hands the whole situation yeah. which went yeah. down quite uh, badly yeah. you find in chapter 13 anything up to about five references of remember me lord for mm. what I, what i have done and that sort of thing can you had a comment and then you've got a a little segment that you want to read to us I just that want sort to of summarises what we've um, talked about thus far in our study. I just want to go back for a moment. Uh, Helen was reading verse 12 of chapter 13 of Nehemiah about then all of Judah brought the tithe uh, into the storehouse of the Lord. And you have to remember again that these people had all got jobs. I'm sure they're all working at the time, so probably... There's very few, if any, in the temple. But what's so, I think, interesting about it is that these people, their attitude changed because it was Nehemiah that was back to help them and they believed him in and obviously trusted him and realised he was a man of God. I think yes. that's an important yes. thing. Yeah. I find today that many of the churches in the world today, as it tells us in the book of the Lord, that they will tell them things that the people want to hear but not the things necessarily that they need to hear. That's a good I point. I, I think this also tells you the fact that they are returning their tithes and their offerings to the temple treasury again mm. tells me that not only did they have confidence in Nehemiah, but they understood that what Nehemiah was proposing and what Nehemiah was doing was not for the good of an elite few, it was for the good of everybody. Mm. And I think that's a principle that we should carry into worship in 2019. Mm. Um, that whatever we do should be for the benefit of the maximum number of people because that's how the gospel works. The gospel is not, shall we say, constrained to a small group of people who need to hear it and accept it. The gospel is available for anybody. And for our listeners who are struggling in this area, I would plead with you, accept the Lord because it's for you as well as for them. Helen, Yeah, just, just a quick, that I have learnt from Nehemiah very much, that his trust in God was such that when he saw something that was amiss, 
and very much a mess as far as God was concerned, he was not afraid to stand up and be counted. Mm. Yeah. And I see Nehemiah like Elijah up on the mountain, like he was out there on a limb, if yes. you like, yes. and, and because of the respect of the people, but not just the respect, because of God's boldness in him, mm. he was able to do this. And, and I think there are several sure. of us here that would have had similar experiences yes. where it's lonely when you're out there, but we, we don't need to be lonely because God has promised yeah. to be with That's us true. through these things. Ken, yes. can you share with us the uh, statement, please? Yes, just want to read this little section here. Not only had the temple been profaned, but the offerings had been misapplied. This had tended to discourage the liabilities of the people. They had lost their seal and favour and were reluctant to pay their tithes. The treasuries of the Lord's house were poorly supplied. Many of the singers and others employed in the temple service, not receiving sufficient support, had left the work of God to labour elsewhere. Isn't that a sad state of affairs? Yeah, very sad. Mm. I had another question here. I, I'd simply put it this way. How did not returning a faithful tithe affect a, the Levites, well, I think we've answered that. The people, we've possibly answered that. And their relationship to God. Well, any suggestions, panel, <clears throat> as to how all of these things tied in together? If you look at them in isolation, you say, yep, they're bad, they're bad, they're bad. But I believe that the overall trend of not paying tithe, not being faithful to the Lord, affects absolutely everything. It affects not only your relationship to God, it affects your relationship to others as well. It also affects your heart and your responsiveness to spiritual things. Oh, I think one of the beautiful things is, though, even though they did that, they came back. Yes. And, and to me, that's God Good saying, news. I mm. will take you back. Yeah. Okay, but just to look back uh, a little bit in in time when God uh, very uh, thoroughly, you know, very precisely told the nation of Israel how to run, if you like, these uh, affairs, and even the even the temple, you know, what to do and uh, to bring the food in the house of the Lord and so on and so forth. What was God's plan and purpose with these people? First of all, we need to ask that question. Was that just God wanted to have a select group of people, as you just no. mentioned there, no. and, mm. and just uh, go with them through the history? Or God's plan was that this group of people, the chosen ones, will be a light to the Gentiles. To, the, to yeah. everyone, mm. will be a living gospel, as we uh, want to say yeah. these days sometimes. It's a good point. And I, th I think the word living blueprint comes to mind. Really, what he was, um, what God wanted them to do was to show the benefits of faithful following to God and entice and encourage the nations around to do the same. That was the plan, I believe. But if you cut the supply short, mm -hmm. then are you equipped? Are you able yeah, to reach out, you know, yeah. to go in full... Strength. You yeah. know what I mean? No, and you that haven't was a got the full resources to do it. Yes. Yes. Okay, Ken? Yeah, I just wanted to add uh, this comes up uh, time and time again that uh, especially in this particular case where people aren't paying the tithes, there's blessings and cursings involved in this. And when you pay tithes, etc., the Lord has promised you will be greatly blessed, but if you don't do the right thing, there's going to be cursings. Yes, yes, the word. And, uh, and there are um, I'd made a couple of notes in my uh, little um, comments here I'd put down this um, the people were demonstrating a lack of confidence in the Levites when they didn't pay their tithe 
and God by withholding what they had been um, commanded to support. Now here, you have to look at it in its most serious aspect. God doesn't give us a reason, does he, Nick, as to why we should pay tithe. He doesn't say, I want you to pay tithe because of. He says, I want you to pay tithe because mm. I've asked you to do it. God doesn't always give reasons as to why he wants. What he wants to see is, are we faithful enough to say, Lord, no questions. I don't understand necessarily, but I will faithfully follow it. Helen, you... Over the years, I've heard several people say, I can't afford to pay tithe. Yes, I've heard that Yeah, too. and my answer to that is you can't afford not, not to, to, give, pay tithe. to pay tithe. The main reason we pay tithe is not because we, say, we see God in Malachi saying, I will pour out the you know windows mm. i will open mm. the windows of heaven and by the way i've seen god do that um but that's not our motive that should not be our motive that should not be it it should be the fact that god has asked yes, and I he's given so. he has mm. given us a hundred percent everything is his mm. but he's given us a hundred percent and he only asked for ten percent which i find very interesting yeah. you know and so what do we want to do do we want to keep the hundred percent and go off on our own way or we want to give god what is rightfully him mm. i don't even when i when i when we, we do tithe i don't even think about it the fact that that he says return the tithe it's mm. not giving it's in return it yeah. i don't look at it as a bill or anything I, it's just his money yeah ken yeah. i think you had your hand up and then nick i it was something <laughs> similar to along what helen's just saying that uh, everything in this world and everything that we have and use belongs to the lord he either created it or he gave us the ability to purchase it so as helen made an interesting point we're not actually giving something to God, it's just returning something that's already his to further his work and let's face it, for many many of us out there, if it hadn't been for the benefits of um, people handing ties, some of us may not be here today That is that is a good point, Nick you had a I wanted to also bring it a little bit to a different uh, direction now, we in all this discussion, which we have, started with Tobia being into the temple, giving yes. a room there, yeah. and somebody even suggested or may, make a comment here that who knows, maybe Tobiah even put some hands on something there or whatever. Transparency, very important. It, yeah. This is for the leadership mm. of any kind of organization. Yeah. Yeah. But when the leadership is starting to compromise in a way or the other, or even put in place people who not supposed to be there, let's say nepotism, elitism, all those things, then the people will lose confidence in this um, leadership, if you like, and they pull back. Now, that's not an excuse to put it this way. Mm. We are called individually to, to give to the Lord what he uh, yeah. asks us to do. But that's an effect. That's an, a cause and effect. If you don't have um, um, transparency and a good leadership, good direction, people will, will uh, move away from the support. Nick, uh, I, I think you've touched on a very important point. Yeah, Thank you. You, you knew I was going to come in with something. <laughs> you saw the look coming in all guns blazing. Here, here she goes <laughs> again. Look, I have seen this happen over and over, and I've had many discussions with people on this. Oh, they're not using it properly and all the rest. That is not our problem. No, it's not. God doesn't ask us to oversee what they do. What they do is their problem. What we need to do is to return what God asks and pray that it will be used in the right manner. Then God has to deal with those people if they are misappropriating it somewhere yes, else. Yes. That is not our problem. That should not yes. be, as you said, not an excuse yes. to give the time. And, sorry. and yes. I, I just want on that yes. one to emphasize on what you just said, Helen, because that's true. But this is the 
for a person who has a connection with God, who is very strong in their connection with God, but if there is somebody who is not necessarily, you know, they are still sincere people, you I know, do know that, uh, yeah. and they can be misled, mm. they can be uh, yes, discouraged mm. by mm. some misbehavior. Mm -hmm. And in this case, we're talking about a leader, a priest, yes. misbehaving, mm. and that caused a chain of problems there. And we need to uh, to tackle this thing because that's a great lesson for us to learn. Mm -hmm. We cannot take it just for granted and say, look, I can do whatever I like to do, but you pointed out the fingers to the whoever else, you should do the right thing because you know what to do before God. Yes, mm -hmm. but it's a cause and effect. And uh -huh. people, unfortunately, we are mm -hmm. still human yeah. beings. Yeah. But Nick, our confidence needs to be yeah. in God, not, yeah. not the leaders, but in God. It, it's a good point. In yes. summarizing all of this, we can say that Eliashab thus far has started out well however he's reached a point where he's allowed Tobiah to remain in the temple permanent residence that would have been had Nehemiah not come back mm -hmm. I suspect and as a result of that I see a cycle here I see a cycle of lack of confidence in the high priest leading to a lack of return of tithe leading to a drop-off in worship leading to a drop-off in relationship to God. They're all interconnected. One is connected to the other, to the other, to the other, to the other. And so it goes. However, now we're moving on to the last item that we have on our study for today, and that is Sabbath. Now, yes. this seems on the surface to be just flagrant breaching of what God spoke about in the fourth commandment in Exodus chapter 20 verses 8 to 11 I'd like someone to read verses 15 through down to verse 17 for us. Ken I think it might be over to you In those days saw I in Judah some trading wine presses on the Sabbath and bringing in sheaves and leading asses as also wine grapes and figs and all manner of burdens which they brought into Jerusalem on the Sabbath day. And I testified against them in that day, wherein they sold victuals. They dwelt men of tie also therein, which brought fish, and all manner of ware, and sold on the Sabbath, on to the children of Judah, and in Jerusalem. Then I contended with the nobles of Judah, and said unto them, What evil thing is this that ye do, and profane the Sabbath day? Did not your fathers thus, and did not our God bring all this evil upon us and upon this city, yet ye bring more wrath upon Israel by prevailing the Sabbath? Wow, what do we learn from all of that, panel? <laughs> it's pretty flagrant, isn't it? What's happening here is they're not bringing goods in to the city on the Sabbath ready to sell on Sunday. No, they're actually buying and selling. They're actually exchanging. They're actually working. They're treading wine presses on the Sabbath. They're, in other words, extracting juice from them. They're, they're just doing their ordinary, everyday work. That's what's taking place here. And a bit earlier, Brenton, you just mentioned about uh, um, doing one wrong thing, how will lead to yeah. another wrong thing and another one. Do you and think this is connected, Absolutely, Nick, because and what's interesting here, you're starting with creeping compromises mm. and you ending up with a huge problem and in this case for Israelites particularly yes. Sabbath was something amazing was, was their meant to experience be really with God yes. their, uh, yes. very sacred and for them now was not a problem to even buy on the Sabbath day mm. no. you, do you see how Father Satan, drifted. how mm. Satan mm. is working how the yeah. evil one is yeah. working to to dilute to dilute the truth of God and you find out yourself 
fine, I'll say, oh, there's nothing wrong. And while I'm speaking now, because time is short and I, I don't want to intervene again um, for, on this aspect, is that today we still read the Bible and we have great advice in the Bible how to conduct ourselves on the Sabbath day and we still do the same mistakes like those yeah. people and excusing ourselves with all sorts of reasons that I, well, we can do this and that, you know. Yeah. Why? Because we drifted so far away maybe sometime from the original sure. intention of God in regard to worshiping mm. God. Sabbath to be, uh, you know, something sacred in between us and God and so on and so forth. It would have uh, lost its exclusivity and it would have lost its relationship with the Lord virtually completely by this stage. It's just another day of the week for conducting commerce. Mm. Helen, you had but a again, that didn't happen overnight. No. You know, no, it no, took no, time. But there's time. A, a good statement I read. It's been said that more than Israel kept the Sabbath, the Sabbath kept Israel. Yes, and I point. thought long and hard about that statement. I thought that's that's really interesting because it meant yeah. that kept that kept their faith alive, yeah. Yeah. you know, by worshiping together and worshiping on the Sabbath together. And you know, they were in that mode, if you like. Yes. I love the Sabbath, absolutely yeah. love it. And and when I go on holidays, I want to visit with other people that keep the Sabbath. Exactly. And yet, I know of a lot of people, and I'm not judging them. What they do is their job. But I know lots of people. They say, "Oh, I'm going on holiday. Oh no, I don't go to church." Yeah. You know, I'm uh, having a holiday. Well, thank yeah. God that he doesn't have a holiday. Mm. You know, that he's always there That's for true. us. And I believe as we associate Sabbath by Sabbath, we are less likely to keep compromising. It's yes. as we stay away yeah. and you, as you say, mm. you start doing things and you think, yeah. oh, well, that's all right. God won't mind. The desecration yeah. of the Sabbath here, I think, as I said mm. earlier on, is the end result of all the yes, other things I that believe. have been going on. Yeah. Ken, you had a comment. Yeah, I just wanted to add that it's so, so interesting, I believe, when you look at the Ten Commandments, the Sabbath, uh, uh, the Fourth Commandment clearly states, remember the Sabbath. Everything else is do this or don't do that, but it clearly, <laughs> clearly states, remember the Sabbath again. Yeah. It's yeah. so important because it comes back to blessings. And it's something that's extremely important to the Lord. Uh, I'm not saying the other commandments are not important, but this is extremely important. And it's also a sign of God's people, yes. those that keep the yes. Sabbath. So yes. it is a very has yes. a very important part to play. Yeah. He knew that we were They're going actually, to forget. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They're actually warned of this. We haven't yes. got time due to the amount of time we've got left. Otherwise, mm -hmm. I'd be looking at Jeremiah 17, verses 21 to 27. But we're running out of time. In verse 25, uh, God, as always, presents the benefits and the disadvantages of not keeping his Sabbath holy. In mm -hmm. verse 25, he says that there will always be kings and princes coming through the gates of Jerusalem, and I will establish this city forever. But in verse 27, he says, if you profane my Sabbaths and keep on doing it, I will kindle a fire here that is never going to go out. Now, some of those who believe in eternally burning hell have a little bit of trouble with this because the fire did go out. What it meant is the fire destroyed everything that remained. So in the remaining time that we've got, I just want to conclude by having a look at what did Nehemiah do about the problem. Ellen, you've got verse 19 to 21, and that's where we'll finish okay. our study for today and see. It says, Then I commanded that the gates of Jerusalem should be shut as darkness fell every Friday evening. 
um, let me just explain that that you know was the Sabbath yes. was from sunset yes. to sunset, right. not to be open until the Sabbath ended. I sent some of my own servants to guard the gate so that no merchandise could be bought in on the Sabbath day. Again, he he knew he could trust hand, them. Hand picked people. Yes, right. the merchants mm-hmm. and tradesmen with a variety of wares camped outside Jerusalem once or twice. What do you think they're doing here? <laughs> <laughs> they're just waiting for the gate to open. Somebody forgot to gate, open the gate, and they weren't taking it as seriously. Do you think they yeah. were testing his results? Oh, I, I think so too. Absolutely. People do that today, yeah. don't but, they? But listen they, to what he did. To this see is interesting. You are genuine about what you're yeah. doing or not. It says, okay. but I spoke sharply to them and said, what are you doing out here camping around the wall? If you do this again, I will arrest you. And that was the last time they came on the Sabbath. So he is virtually saying, not even bring your wares to the gate. And, and I think there's a lesson for us there. Don't there even, when it there gets is. to the closing of the Sabbath, yeah. start getting into your worldly things because if you're breaking the edges of the Sabbath or you're encroaching on it, you're still breaking the Sabbath. And, and when I read that, I thought, yeah. that was really good, Nehemiah, because yeah. you're virtually saying, don't yeah. even prepare to come in. Yes. You know, stay away until the Sabbath is finished. Yes. Good but, point. And, and on, on that one, uh, it's very important how God uh, also provided that preparation day. And the preparation day was for prepared to prepare for the Sabbath. Yes. You yes. know, not to prepare for uh, how to do business selling. after the Sabbath. You know, okay. it's very, mm. very okay. interesting. God wouldn't let us down in any aspects. And these days we have a problem. Many people will say, oh, that's too much legalism. You know, that's too much. We have to do this. We have to do that. Um, we are uh, saved by grace. And we are. Praise God for that. We are saved by grace. Amen. But we are not justified when we crash down the will of God and the laws of God, which he uh, gave us in order to be blessed, in order to live, as you mentioned, uh, uh, Brenton, there, to, to live uh, happily and have a, a king forever yes. yeah. going through the, the gates, you know, mm. Jerusalem in that case. Yes, it's, uh, it's very interesting. In summarizing, it's good to see that these reforms were carried out, but on a more somber note, we can leap forward a few hundred years to the Messiah coming. What were they doing on the Sabbath? They would literally do nothing. They wouldn't even walk a set distance. They wouldn't carry a handkerchief on the Sabbath because it was bearing a burden. It just goes to show that there has to be a balance here. And the balance comes from, I believe, understanding what God really meant the Sabbath to be. And it's unfortunate that when Jesus healed people on the Sabbath, what was their response? They wanted to kill him. (laughs) They were more intent on man's tradition by the time Jesus came than on following God. I think they had something like 39 rules just for the Sabbath day. And and that was horrendous, you know. Yes. And that's not what God, what God instigated the Sabbath no, for. And let me just say, I just want to say unequivocally, I love the Lord. And he says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Yeah. That's why I keep that the commandments. That is a good one. We started today with uh, backsliding people. <laughs> now, what's the opposite of that? Because if we experience today some sort of backsliding, <laughs> yeah, what's the opposite of that? Um, what Re- we can learn to yeah. reconversion is what's needed. reconversion, mm. revival, if revival, you like. revival, yes. reformation yes. if is needed. They're the o- things that all are those things, you know, we need to consider. We need to look back into our yeah. life and say where we are in terms of yeah. where God wanted us to be, yes. and take a decision now. And Don't learn. And learn and take a decision. Very important. Yes. Yeah. And if there are people who are in, in a position of influencing that decision, then be bold. 
take yes, that decision. Yes. Stay strong for God, as Nehemiah did, and uh, for the benefit of the people and mm. for the praise for the yeah praise of our yeah. Lord. And God. learn from the lessons that yeah. you know, the forefathers. Yeah. I would like to thank the panel for their input into our Bible study today. I believe we've all learnt a significant amount of what God would have us to do. Ken, would you like to close with prayer for us, please? Heavenly Father, Lord God, we just pray for all our listeners today and everyone that hears this Bible study. We pray, Heavenly Father, that they may think deeply of the things that we have spoke about. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that they would actually look these things up in the Bible and they can see for themselves your word. Heavenly Father, your your word is a light onto the world and a light to our feet. We need to read it, Lord God. We need to apply it in our lives. And we need forgiveness, Lord God, for when we all get off the track. Please help everyone, Lord God, to listen to these words, apply these words. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that the Holy Spirit would convict their hearts to follow in the way of Jesus. Mm. Amen. Amen. Amen.